0: Long time since I've been back to this old farm. These buildings were torn down long ago. Even though I seem to be spending more and more time in the cities these days, there's never a moment goes by that I don't remember. And thank God I'm a country boy.
1: Hello, hello everybody. This is Dennis Allen, and you're listening to the Dennis Allen City Boy Homesteader Podcast. A city boy who gave it all up. That's me. To find happiness, financial freedom, and a better way to live life. Together, we can learn and accomplish anything today is march 8th 2019 on this episode we will be talking with the a full-time homesteader and personal friend of mine homesteader dan uh check him out on instagram homesteader dan on instagram he is probably one of the first people that i met in this valley when i came here his homestead is what brought me to the valley meaning when i first came out to the valley uh, to look for property. Actually I wasn't even looking for property here. I was looking for property further north from here, about an hour and a half away. The closest uh Airbnb that I wanted to stay at was actually the Mountainside Homestead. It was the it is the homestead of Dan. So homestead of Dan's the reason why I came out here. Today on this episode we will be talking about what is homesteading, what's his uh view of homesteading. What it is. Get to know a little bit about Dan. Different aspects of um, homesteading. What what kind of um, animals and what kind of outbuildings he has. That's the uh, the homesteader helpers. Um, growing what you need. We talk about that. What is off grid and what's the off grid lifestyle mean to him? You guys know what it means to me. Advice for new and inspiring homesteaders that's a big one you know the reason why I started this podcast and everything I'm doing is to kind of try to gain knowledge so he's gonna give us some advice about that and also his view of where future where the future of homesteading is going is this just as a fad or is this a better way to live life and let's see what he says before we get into today's conversation I want to thank our sponsor the Dennis Allen podcast I don't know if that makes even sense but if you like what you're hearing, I would definitely appreciate you checking out com, Checking out everything else I have going on. Share this podcast if you are enjoying it. If you're on Facebook, share it on Facebook or share it by any other means necessary. We'd really appreciate that. I have my YouTube videos, um, Dennis Allen City Boy Homesteader on YouTube also. Has a lot of how-to videos. Most of my videos, there are what not to do's, but... Yeah, you could check that out. DennisAllen.com brings you to it all. Hmm. I guess that's pretty much it. So, let's start off the show and let's get Neighbor Dan on. Uh, I really enjoyed this conversation and hope you did too. So, enjoy and I'll see you in a few. All right. Welcome Dan. Welcome to the Dennis Allen podcast. All right. Thank you. Yeah, glad <laughs> yeah, to shake be here. your hand there. <laughs> so, um Welcome. Uh, thank you for joining me today on this podcast. Uh, just to let everybody know, Dan is one of the first people, if not the first person, I probably met in this valley. When I came here from uh, from Jersey City, I came to the Mountainside Homestead, and uh, I stayed at his place. And uh, I kind of fell in love from there, and probably one of the main reasons why I'm here in this valley. So I thought, who would be better than to bring on the show and talk about homesteading than... Homesteader Dan, so welcome, welcome, Dan. (laughs) Yeah,
0: thank you, yeah, and it it was exciting meeting you because, you know, what could be better than a person staying at your house who wants to be a homesteader? Yeah. Another homesteader in our valley, how how exciting is that? Yeah,
1: thank you, thank you. So who, can you tell everybody, uh, the uh, millions of people listening, uh, who you are and what your story is and just a little bit of background
0: of yourself? Sure, sure. I'm I'm uh, Dan Schimp. Um I'm known on Instagram as Homesteader Dan. And I'm known in Penns Valley in the schools and Penn Valley Conservation Association and other things as as farmer Dan. Um, and that's only because it's it's easier for the students, the younger students at the school to say farmer Dan than to try to say homesteader Dan.
1: Yeah, and there's uh, always questions, even to adults, what's yeah, a
0: homesteader? Yeah, so and yeah, I guess um I was born and raised in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. I went into the Marine Corps out of high school uh, down in North Carolina. I lived in North Carolina um, four years in the Marine Corps and then another seven years. Then I had to move back to my hometown in Pennsylvania. I didn't didn't care as much for the big Mm -hmm. city in North Carolina. But anyway, back to my roots. Um, And I I guess as I was growing up, uh, my family was always somewhat of homesteaders. Uh, we always had our own gardens. We always, you know, either hunted for food, um, raised some of our own small animals. Um, and that's, that's what I know. That's what I've always done. And, and I wanted to take that up a notch as I got older. Um, and I think the biggest reason was because of our food system and how it's deteriorated. Um, Absolutely. And how else to eat good food than to raise your own. Um, so that's that's what's my goal to to slowly build that up and and uh I guess homesteading has a lot of definitions um, The simplest one that I know, and I think it's wikipedia's maybe um, homesteading is a lifestyle of sustainability that 's the simplest definition and and that can go as little or as much as you want hmm. you know. Like a person that calls themselves a homesteader doesn't have to live off the grid. They don't have to live out in the wild somewhere. They don't have to do every single thing by themselves. Home, yep. Homesteading, I've found over the years, is a, a community thing. And yep. Penns Valley is a great community for that. Um, I can literally get just about anything I need within a five-mile radius of <laughs> me right now. Bartering, you know, I, I don't do everything. I can't do everything myself. Right. But, um uh, I raise a large percentage of my own food, mm-hmm. produce, fruit, animals, uh, and there's a limit to what you can do according to your property <clears throat> size and and your time and right. and how dedicated you are. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. It takes dedication to be mm-hmm. uh, just to be a sustainable person. Period. Yeah. You know, it takes a lot of dedication, and it, it gets harder and harder every year with with our society to remain a sustainable person and yeah. protect our environment for future homesteaders. Uh, so that's that's where I'm at now. And, I, and as the years go on, I'm uh, slowly preparing, I guess you'd say, things at my house mm-hmm. so that they can more and more maintain themselves. Right. right. As I get older, you know, mm-hmm. when I'm 90 years old, I still want to be homesteading, but I'm not going to be able to dig a garden as much and right. do all these things. So I'm um, slowly preparing things so that they're taking care of themselves and I can still benefit from that
1: what, what kind of things do you think they that are helping you uh homestead in your old
0: not in your older age? yeah in your older age when you yep. know your yep. knees are starting to act like mine <laughs> yeah and that that's true you can't do as much you know right. i was working a regular job for a good part of like my first years of homesteading so i was going to work you know 14 16 hour days coming home trying to do everything before I get up the next morning, trying to do things on the weekend, right. and and it was tough. It was tough. It, it was very hard, and that's why I quit my job to do it mm-hmm. full time. Um, but but simple things like um, like garden areas, yeah. getting your garden areas set up so that they maintain themselves. I, I don't mm-hmm. dig with a shovel or a till uh, tiller. I don't. I haven't used an automatic tiller for years. That's but good. I don't even dig turn my gardens over on a regular basis even with mm-hmm. a, a spade anymore i could but but it's not necessary it's actually yep. better for the soil and the plants to not do that
1: Yeah, all those layers of microbes and organisms yep. in there yeah yep.
0: mm-hmm. and it, and um my garden has become not necessarily smaller I, it could be a lot smaller i i have, you know <laughs> i do tours i have people come out and they're a little overwhelmed because they think, oh my gosh, we need to do all this to be, you know, right, grow our right. own food. But no, you can grow your own food in a, in a little eight by eight square. Um, but I have larger garden spaces and over the years, um, half of them, them rows have become fallow every year. So hmm. I have half the rows are producing whatever I need for that year. And the right. other half are fallow with cover crops and hmm. things that are going to, put nutrients back in the soil so then the following year or maybe two years that's my producing row mm. i don't wow. have to keep prepping it and getting it ready it's taking care of itself so you're rotating nature.
1: your crops kind of
0: rotating yep nice. let, let mother nature and mm. this this actually that we got to that point that's one thing i i tell people when they want to get started doing anything mm-hmm. homesteading sustainability with everything just take a walk in nature and see how nature does it exactly you know, and and then try to replicate that because nature knows how to do it already it's you don't have to reinvent the wheel
1: millions of years of uh yeah. <laughs> of trial and error exactly. she's got it yeah
0: running pretty nicely so now. so the closer you can get to mother nature the easier your job will be yeah absolutely exactly mm-hmm. so yeah things like the garden um i i have my own butcher shop so when i'm i want wow. uh meat in the freezer i can butcher my own animals most of them Um, and is that something you made yourself or it it was an existing building but i Mm. created it into a butcher shop and Mm. over the years i've improved it again Mm. to make it easier um right now it's gotten larger um it's it's a little taller so the animals Mm. can hang higher and Mm. it's lined with free garage door panels What are those? Free garage door panels from from a local supplier. Okay. Um, And now I can completely hose it down whenever I want. Are those the big,
1: thick, insulated ones? Yep. Can Uh, you tell me a little about those? Because I see those all over the valley.
0: Yeah, they're they're a wonderful product. Um, There's a company over uh, next um, valley over from Rush Brush Valley who sells um, used garage door panels. They're they're seconds that the factory couldn't sell. and they, they sell a lot of them, but they also give a lot away free. When they first get a delivery on a tractor trailer, they're, they're crinkled more than the, the ones that are actually considered seconds. Uh, so they, they give them away just because they don't want to try to sell them that have little dents and stuff in them. Wow. Noticeable things. But, but they're perfectly usable. Um, they're insulated. Um, they're probably from like an R6 to R9 insulation. Wow. Um, from what I've researched, um, both sides are metal. They're sealed up. So the insulation is contained inside. Um, they they overlap. A lot of people use them for refrigerator boxes because they're are insulated. They're they're waterproof. They're a vapor barrier. Um, I've used them for lots of things. I have them uh, as a ceiling on my back porch, and and you can paint them whatever color you want to paint them. You don't have to leave them white or whatever mm-hmm. color they are. You can and once you install them and and dress them up a little bit, it, it looks. Just like you went out and bought some really expensive material. Wow. Yeah, I see. 100 free. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So what else do you have? You have the butchering shop and what what other outbuildings um, or?
0: Well, I, um, I have a smokehouse. Okay. Um, so I smoke some of my own things. I, I don't smoke a lot. Smoked food isn't the most nutritious, but it, mm. you know you got to have a little flavor sometimes. So I don't smoke everything.
1: And does it keep the food longer, or is that a way No, of smoke, Smoking is
0: just to flavor the food. Oh, okay. The curing before the smoking is is what helps it keep longer. Curing it in a in a salt solution
1: is that like a bacon or would that be an example? Ba- or?
0: Bacon. Or you, you can smoke anything. Um, hmm. You know some some food foods you cure in a, in a bucket of salt solution in, hmm. in liquids. Uh, bacon. I just rub with the solution. You okay. know, flip it a few times, rub it, uh, let it you know cure for several days and then smoke it um the salt especially is what helps cure it i mean salt's been used for many 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 years of civil war Uh, all their meat that they sent across the country was salted to death just to keep it uh from spoiling until it got to Mm. a destination because it was going by foot or horse you know it wasn't traveling in a tractor trailer (laughs) (laughs) um so that that was the way they they packed it in salt Mm. to to cure it to keep it and, and even then sometimes it didn't last because yeah. it was on the road so long um, so yeah, smokehouse is very good for flavoring things um, I have a maple syrup set up, uh, an evaporator um, to make maple syrup, your own you know sweetener right out of the tree you know I, I can go right in my yard and get maple, make maple syrup you know I don't have to go buy anything do you have more. the uh, the trees for it or do you have to the trees are are right. I have some on my property and some right on the adjoining property. Mm-hmm. They're within walking distance to collect and, and, um, and do that. And that's a fun thing, and, it, and, and that's not something you have to do every single year. Right. even though it's fun to do mm-hmm. it, it's something where you produce enough in one year and then, and then you can wait a few years maybe to do the next one because right. it lasts, you know, you can yeah. it. it lasts forever.
1: And you probably get more than you need for a year. <laughs> you get a lot,
0: you get a lot Yeah. yeah. Do you use it for like a bartering tool or sell them? Yeah, or? sure, I, I I sell a little bit, I, I do barter with mm. a lot of things nice. um, and I give it, it's gifts, you know mm. Christmas time people love to get a, a oh, pint yeah. of Real maple one? syrup as a <laughs> gift. You know, how can you turn something yeah. like that down? No corn syrup. Real yeah. maple it, it's syrup. It's vegetarian. It's yeah. vegan. Yeah, it's, exactly. Yeah, you know. very good. And and I even you know that's used um, specifically in my animal water. I put it in usually uh, when I start having young animals in the spring, lambs and goats and things. They need a little extra mineral content, so I put a little maple syrup. You can use um, wow uh, molasses. Um, mm. Is what they recommend, but maple syrup has minerals too you don't, mm. you don 't have to buy it because because we already have it, so I just mix a little of that in the water and it 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 gets them the, the sweet taste of it gets them to drink a little mm. bit more water when they need it to make milk also oh, so, wow, yeah. um, and you can do it year round you don 't have to wait till they're, they have the animals yeah. the animals they, they can use minerals you know mm. um, yeah. many 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 uses yeah many uses
1: That's interesting. so when you put molasses into soil. To, to track all the microbes and everything, I guess you could use uh, maple well, syrup too. Or?
0: Well, Same. you could um, use molasses as minerals in it. Uh, molasses is typically used more um, for for animal feed, um, and a lot of yes. times they they mix it. Sometimes it's dried. Mm-hmm. A lot of times they'll mix it with the feed just to, to get the animals to learn to like a different type feed. Oh, see. um, I've seen mm. videos of, of research areas where they're trying to teach a herd of cows to eat everything in the pasture, not just one thing and then one mm. next pasture. So they'll you know, weeds and stuff which are good for most animals, yeah. you know, they should be eating them. Mm-hmm. So they'll they'll spray the pasture with a certain amount of molasses wow. and the animals like that taste so they just <laughs> gobble up everything, you know, in wow. sight and then they gradually Spray it less and less, and before you know it, the animals are eating Just it without the molasses there. Wow, that's
1: interesting. Yeah.
0: A... And and you can actually, if you have trees in your pasture, you'll know, especially in the winter time, you'll know very quickly if your animals are missing minerals because they'll start chewing the bark off your trees. They'll find wow. the minerals themselves. I mean, horses for years. Wild hmm. horses—they would lick, lick the soil and lick rocks to get their minerals. You know, that's how they, that's how they got them. You yeah, know, they yeah. didn't have molasses. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, I can tell um, when my animals need minerals; they start chewing on things I don't want them to. Wow. So I give them a little extra minerals. You know,
1: what what are the types of animals you have on your homestead?
0: Oh, I have um, I have a, a pony, Pearl. Um, hmm. She, she used to do some work for me. Now she's mostly just a, a pasture horse. She she goes to festivals with me and does pony <laughs> rides with the kids and stuff. Um, I have a cow right now, a meat cow, uh, which will get butchered the end of this summer. I'm probably not going to raise any more beef because raising beef on a smaller property is, is a, a big cost, mm. and it's hard on the, the pastures. Um, very big expense raising it, you know, especially j- even just one winter. That's that's five $600 for hay for one cow. Wow. Um, but hmm. I don't mind that because I got good meat, mm-hmm. you know. And I raised my cows two and a half years. I used okay. to butcher them in a year and a half, but the, the meat was not tender. It wasn't marbly. It wasn't wow. near as flavorful. And I found wow. out that two and a half years, the, the animal, a cow, is hmm. at its full adult body structure. In any animal, I've learned over the years, once it gets to its full adult body structure, mm-hmm. is the most nutritious meat. Wow, The best that. flavor, the texture, and everything. It's just, it's worth <laughs> that little extra thing than trying to pump food in and make it get big right, and fat right away right, yeah, and yeah, eat yeah. it. Yep, know? that's true. Um, so that you give it time, you know, give it give it time, let it grow up. How much uh, meat do you think you get from a cow like you're talking about? Well, the years? last the last cow I had butchered, um, which was I think two year and a half ago, something like that. Uh, I got between six and seven hundred pounds of meat out of one out of one. In cow. your freezer, or yes, in the freezer. That was actual wow. meat. Yeah.
1: <laughs> wow! And of course,
0: you know, and that weight didn't even include the bones and things like that. I, I oh yeah. I bring home everything. A cow is something I take to a, a butcher shop mm-hmm. close by because it's it's bigger. It has to hang for a while so right. the protein sets in the meat before you butcher it. Um, I could do it in my own butcher shop if I did it at the right time of year, you know, quarter it and let it hang and everything. But it, it's so much easier, and it's not that big an expense to, you know, pay the butcher to, to go pick it up frozen in a, you know package and ready to put in the freezer.
1: <laughs> oh, it's all vacuum sealed? And yeah, all it's oh, all, oh, you know, that's for, so for a easier. minimal
0: cost of 40-something cents a pound. I mean, how oh, can you oh, be yeah. letting them do that, mm-hmm. you know? But I, but I bring, you know, and I, my butcher knows me, I, I bring everything home. You yeah. know. It, nothing's wasted, you know. That's the bones good. are, uh, some of them are given to the, to the dog. Some of the bones go out and, and the chickens and animals peck off the meat. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. And once that's clean and everything, the, the bones are left out in the pasture, laying around drying. They eventually end up in the outdoor furnace. Um, mm. So not only do I have wood ash which is good mineral content and, and a good um ph balancer for your soil um hmm. i also have bones that were burnt mixed with the wood ash so i have bone meal mixed with that and that all goes on my pasture wow. that all feeds my pasture wow. um you can't beat it you know it's it's not wasted nothing's wasted Oof. so yeah. w- what are their animals I, I have like many okay. questions yeah. for you <laughs> yeah well i um that's the cow, and I, and I'm probably not going to raise any more cows but again because they are a larger animal. I only have seven and a half acres. Um, and I, I'm cutting back on beef mm-hmm. consumption. I'm, I'm eating smaller animals. They're easier to raise, easier yeah. to butcher, easier to handle. If I need beef, I can barter with one of my good local organic friends. My neighbor, Brian, right, right next door. <laughs> Brian has friendly beef, and yeah. that's what he does. And he, yeah. he doesn't do um, so I also do sheep. That's one of my big things. Um, oh, okay. Goats. I, I'm raising goats now, um, because goat meat, from what I researched, is very nutritious, mm-hmm. even compared to beef. Um, yeah. Much easier to to raise a, a goat and butcher a goat than it is a big, you know, really? yeah, fifteen hundred pound yeah. cow. Yeah. Um, and you can literally butcher it whenever. You know, hmm. when you butcher a cow, yeah. you have all that meat. And, yeah, you yeah. you know, for, for just myself, that's a lot of meat. I have that's to find true. somebody else that wants it because I'm not going to keep meat in my freezer more than six months to a year. It's just it's okay. freezer burnt. It loses its nutritional value. Mm. It's just not worth it. But a goat is a small animal, so you can butcher one a couple different times a year and, and have fresh meat in your freezer yeah. on a regular basis. And
1: how much meat do you think from a goat? A goat,
0: you're, you know, that varies because goats are different sizes. Mm. Goats aren't a big animal. Yeah, uh, people want their goats to get big and fat and heavy, and mm-hmm. but but they're not that kind of animal, and they're yeah. not nutritious when you you force mm-hmm. feed them. Um, but I probably would get twenty to twenty five pounds from oh, from 20. one goat. Wow. As as a sheep, a sheep is very similar. Might be a little maybe thirty five pounds. And you and eat the
1: sheep meat also.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. Lamb. Lamb is a very good nutritious meat. Um, and lamb is not something you want to eat on a as a regular basis because it's hmm. a it's a more um greasier type meat um so as opposed to goat as opposed to goat yeah goat is is a dark red meat just like a a deer uh, or something Hmm. like that um sheep is very nutritious um lamb is is uh, very nutritious um and people should eat more of it it's not a lot of people think well, lamb is something you eat once a year at Easter or something <laughs> like that. It's a specialty thing for yeah. a holiday, but it's not. It's something you can eat year round, you know. These
1: are the animals we, we grew up on as humans. Yeah, know?
0: exactly. Yeah. Um, sheep. You have chickens, I know. Chickens. Eddie Murphy killed one. Yeah. Or two. <laughs> yeah. Chickens. Uh, um, so with chickens, I have eggs and meat. Mm-hmm. I, I don't raise broiler chickens anymore because I found that not to be the most cost effective thing. Again, when you buy chicks to raise broilers, mm-hmm. you're, you're depending dependent typically on a factory-raised bird to start with, oh. um, so you don't always know what you're getting. Right. Um, you, you have to buy a minimum of 25 of them, so mm. if you're going to raise broilers when it's time to butcher them, you, you almost <laughs> have to butcher 25 of them, because yeah. you, you just can't let them grow forever and get big and fat and ugly. you know? You got to butcher them when it's time. They're designed that way. They're, they're not something that existed 50 years ago they're a hybridized Mm. bird because everybody wants this plush fat chicken on their plate and you know so i'm back to Mm. eating laying hens yeah and at one point i had some some better broiler type chickens Mm -hmm. a a better breed that was a better foraging breed and i crossbred some of them with my layers both directions Um, Mm. um male broilers with a female hen or laying hen and uh uh, a male laying hen with a female broiler, just to see, and and now I have a somewhat larger laying breed that wow, that's cool. I can eat when they're mm-hmm. you know chickens only lay for so many years, and then their yeah. their production goes down fairly rapidly. So you know chicken soup that's that's the way it works. You yep, know. yep. You, you can't every animal cannot be your pet. If yes. if everybody in the world <laughs> saved every animal <laughs> because they didn't want to see it die and and get eaten, we yep. would. You know, our human population wouldn't matter because the animals would have taken over by (laughs) that time. Yeah. All the food would be going to them. (laughs) Yeah. So it's it's just, you can't save everything. That's, and I'm not saying you shouldn't save certain things from terrible, you know, inhumane Mm -hmm. slaughterhouses, you know, but if you're, doing things like I'm doing it and like a lot of people in Pen Valley doing it on a small scale. Yeah. Just what you yep. need. Mm-hmm. That that's not hurting the environment whatsoever.
1: Yep. And you're not mistreating the animal. I, mean, right. I know your no. animals. No. <laughs> they are I've, loved
0: like all like pets. Yeah, Dennis, I've had two people already that are that were vegans. One mm-hmm. of them actually ate a hamburger at my house. <laughs> and one of them was petting my cow on the head behind the horns. And looked at me and says, well, I could eat a hamburger right now. So, wow. I mean, that just shows how well they're treated yep. compared to, you know, factory animals. Yeah,
1: I think a lot of them, I mean, one of the main reasons why I kind of gave up meat for a while or it's always on my mind whether I should or not is mainly because of the humane factor and yep. all the chemicals they're dumping yep. in these animals. Yeah. So. Yeah, there's
0: there's so much research that has proven factory farming is, is inhumane. Yep. It, it is... <clears throat> chemical driven mm-hmm. um, thing Toxins. you know there's there's no grass-fed factory cows you know they're mm-hmm. in a food lot a feed lot getting fed grain mm-hmm. and they're literally eight months old when they send them to the slaughterhouse mm-hmm. and to keep them living for that eight months they have to feed them antibiotics because a grain diet for a cow will kill them the cows are ruminants they need to eat grass they they, they can't digest grain so they feed them antibiotics just to keep them alive long enough to kill them what sense does that make um so and and i Mm. have all the respect in the world for a Mm -hmm. person that wants to be a vegan or a vegetarian that's their choice yeah Uh, i can talk with them on a level basis Mm -hmm. i'm not gonna you know let them tell me i shouldn't be an animal right um but but i agree that we don't need to eat you know, our nation doesn't need to eat near as much meat as we do. I think, right. I it's, think it's overly done, mm-hmm. um, and I have cut back some on my meat intake. But but it's up to the the individual, and it's up to that individual's body. Exactly. Um, I've had nutritionists tell me that I could eat all the meat I wanted to because of my metabolism and mm-hmm. what I do. I, I use that protein up all the time. I'm not yeah. you know overloading. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's it's up to the individual and and how you live. You know? Yeah. Exactly. But, yeah, and, and, you know, I have um, geese. I'm trying to get geese going now. And, and I try to breed these animals on my property, too. I, I don't want to buy a small animal every year and raise it and butcher it. I, mm-hmm. I want to raise them completely on my property. Or borrow a, a, a male animal from whatever it might be, from a neighbor to right. breed it. You know, mm-hmm. somebody I know who raises them similar. Um, and share it that way, not just... You know, buy a small animal from wherever, and yeah. think I'm you know, <clears throat> eating good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah, you don't know what that animal was fed, yeah. its whole right. life, exactly. or the way it was treated. So yep. you you gotta. And you know, I got chickens, ducks, geese. Uh, I need turkeys this year. Well, no. no, I I've had turkeys for quite a few mm-hmm. years. Um, I butchered my turkeys this year because I realized that I don't need them that bad. I like eating turkey year-round not just at thanksgiving mm-hmm. um but I, I live in the wild also i live with nature so there's plenty of wild turkeys and, yes. and, and when yeah. i need a, a turkey i can i can get one easier than feeding them all winter long trying to keep, yeah, to keep them going point. you know yeah. it's, there's a cost to that yeah. and yep. it's worth it um so it's something that you know you know i can eat two or three turkeys a year and not have to yeah. Raise another animal and and deal with one more animal
1: and it's probably a much healthier animal living in the wild
0: yeah yeah it's it's definitely and and again that's that's a good subject to talk about, and you know we might be getting away from homesteading a little bit but but I know a lot of people that are hunters mm-hmm. and they tend to think because they're eating wild game they're eating good nutritious meat, but you have to know what the wild game is eating, just like. Raising your own animals. Mm-hmm. A, a lot of deer are eating GMO grain in that's fields. <laughs> and people think because they're yeah, eating the deer, true. they're <laughs> getting good <laughs> nutritious meat. But the, they're oh, the same okay, thing as the cows are eating if they're feeding them GMO grain. And and turkeys are the same thing, any wild animal. Wow, are yeah. they living really in a wild area or are they living in a rural area where they're eating off of a GMO farm? Or yeah, or, like yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Think about that. So there's, there's a lot, you know, it's homesteading is. It's something you have to think about constantly. Mm-hmm. You're, you're always on your toes, thinking about what what am I going to do next? How am I going to do it? How mm-hmm. is it going to affect the environment? You know, yep. is it nutritious for yeah. me to do this? You know, or would it be better not?
1: Yeah, because I mean, you're trying to protect the environment. Because the environment is what's
0: feeding you and yeah. taking care of you. It's yep. your environment. It's yep. your your community, your property. Yep. Yeah, you ha- you have to be on your toes, and and it's it's like. It's kind of like riding a bicycle. Once you start doing it, and you're trying different things, it it just becomes natural for you to think that way. Yeah. It's not like you're wearing yourself out worrying about every little thing. It mm-hmm. it becomes natural, you know. Do I buy this at the store? It's in a plastic container, or should I look for something that's not in a plastic container? Yeah. You know, it's Same. very simple. You it's it just becomes natural.
1: Or make it myself. I mean I know it Exactly. You have myself. a couple of really cool off grid tools like the bicycle, I mean you have yep. a, a you can you explain what that does? You know, the different <laughs> things you got with that?
0: Yeah, well that's a that's a and I don't really use that that often because i don't butcher chickens on a regular basis but i I have a bicycle powered um chicken plucker
1: oh yeah i wasn't even talking about that but
0: yeah same thing yep yeah and and it's also can it's also a bicycle powered grain grinder so um i've adapted the grain grinder (laughs) to the chicken plucker but you can bicycle power almost anything if you really want to and Mm -hmm. it's a fun thing to show kids and people that you really can do things differently. Mm-hmm. You don't have to plug everything into the yep. wall or use propane or this or that, you know, on a small scale. Yeah. You can do a lot. You can you can literally, you know, pedal your bicycle and make enough, you know, power to power, you know, small appliances and stuff. Yeah. You know, it's mm-hmm. not that hard.
1: I've seen people do that in the morning with their juicers. Yeah. Power a juicer, yeah. make the healthy juice, get a quick little workout. Yeah. Get, get your exercise. <laughs> yeah. Why not, you know? Yeah. Why
0: not? Um, so, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's a fun... Little gadget. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess heating, oh, sorry. No, that's right. Um, I I guess, yeah, the heating, you were going to say heating, and and I'll lead into what I've done with the heating. Um, I heat my house with an outdoor furnace. When I first moved to this house, it it had an oil furnace in the basement, Mm -hmm. which I didn't want to burn. It was a backup furnace. Um, I burned a wood stove in the house for three or four years Mm. and then i decided it would be cleaner and more efficient for the overall house to to get an outdoor furnace and i got one very cheap from from one of my neighbors Mm -hmm. that's why i tried it i've updated that two winters ago Mm Um, because the original one I had was a, a, a wood burning thing. It, it's, it's just like any wood stove. It was, you know, I was using nine to ten quarts of wood a year because mm-hmm. of all it was going out the chimney of this big metal box mm-hmm. um, that was making hot water to heat my house. But I was losing so much of the heat. So now I've, I've updated to a more modern gasification type outdoor furnace, and mm-hmm. I use half the amount of wood. Wow! And I have enough heat to heat anything on my property. I could build another house and still heat it with this one <laughs> furnace. Um, is this going to your greenhouse still yes and and that's I, I added the greenhouse to it um, can you tell us a little about the greenhouse yeah, sure yeah, yeah. Um, the greenhouse actually is one of my best um, additions to my property mm. it, it allowed me yeah. to grow a lot of my own produce most of my own produce through the winter um, I have fresh greens every day of the winter um, the the most crazy. fun thing on the coldest day of the year, 10 degrees outside, <laughs> two feet of snow, go sit in the greenhouse where it's <laughs> 60 to 70 degrees if the sun's out, and have a salad. Have a fresh <laughs> salad right there. Just pick it and eat it Yeah, you know, at my salad bar in my greenhouse. That's great. Um, and And I do heat it partially. It's not 70 degrees in there all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I tapped off of of the hot water coming from my outdoor furnace, the return side coming back from the house. I tapped off of that so I wouldn't be stealing heat from the house by having a separate wow. circuit. Hmm. And it's still a hundred and something degrees uh, in the return, and that's more than enough to keep the greenhouse warm. It's it's heating the soil, and it's also heating the air partially. Mm-hmm. Um, and the greens, you know, you have, you know, I have herbs in there: I have celery, parsley eucalyptus tree um, wow. any herbs you need on a regular basis, thyme um, yeah, just name them um, red beet greens um, <laughs> just name it muslin mix, spinach, lettuce Good, and a lot of these are, are still cooler weather greens mm-hmm. because the greenhouse isn't 70 or 80 degrees all the time right, right. Um, so cooler weather greens but you know, I can do a little more than the cooler weather greens because I can keep the soil around 65 degrees. I can keep it 80 degrees if I wanted to in the soil, but it that's way too hot. So I keep the soil at 60 to 65 degrees. The greens love that. the The air temperature fluctuates overnight. It might get down to 40. Some sometimes on the coldest days, it might get down to 30. Uh, mm-hmm. But but it doesn't hurt the greens to get that lower temperature for a few hours yeah. and then back up during the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, i think they actually like it that way Um, so yeah the greenhouse has been one of my best additions it it keeps me from going to the grocery store it allows me in the spring i don't have to hurry up and rush and get plants started and just wait and wait and wait till Mm. i can get them out in the soil when it's warm enough because i I have the greenhouse i can linger on for a while Mm -hmm. Um, if I have plants started too early, I, I don't have to worry. I can just let them in the greenhouse for a while till I can put them outside. <laughs> and I live on the north side of the mountain, so I, I have a lot less sun than the rest of Penn Valley. Mm-hmm. And um, it takes a little long. longer to plant things in the spring, but that's mm-hmm. okay. That's okay. No rush. Take yeah, time. you're growing
1: all year round, so yeah, I don't think that's yeah, a problem.
0: <laughs> yeah. And there's things, you know, you can't have everything fresh all winter long in a greenhouse. Right. Because you don't have, you know, you could keep the temperature up and have the temperature, but you don't have the sunlight, right? And you'd have to, you know, do artificial light all winter long to try to grow tomatoes and things like that. That'd be a lot. Uh, but you, you know, you don't need all them things year round. You know, you you, you, do you can.
1: I mean, you could can
0: the tomatoes and have them in the yeah. winter. Oh yeah, yeah. You you and and that's one thing, and that's a good point. That's one thing. Um, The greenhouse helped with also, I don't have to can as many vegetables or freeze vegetables because I have them fresh. Um, And again, I don't have everything fresh, but I have fresh greens as the Mm -hmm. number one thing we should be eating, you know, fresh greens and lettuce and herbs. (coughs) Um, So yeah, you you can a little bit of this and that and um, you overwinter what you have to, but you Mm -hmm. don't have to overwinter as much with with, um, your supply of Mm -hmm. food growing in the greenhouse. Do you grow a lot of medicinal herbs? Yeah, I mean, I, I <clears throat> grow uh, as many different herbs as I can. Um, and, yeah, there's a lot of tinctures and things you can make hmm. out of these herbs for medicinal and this and that. But I think that most of the time, if you're eating these herbs, just just the herbs themselves and the right plants and even wild plants on a regular basis, you're getting the benefit the medicinal benefit mm. from them so you don't have to wait till you get sick and start that's eating true, yeah. you're, you're keeping your body healthy mm-hmm. on a regular basis so you don't have to you know pump all them into you all of a sudden yeah, once yeah. You, you feel you sick, sick you know, yeah. you preventative can, medicine exactly yeah. you, you keep your body healthy by eating good nutritious food well,
1: that's amazing. Mm-hmm. um so as you know i'm a new homesteader any yeah. uh advice you could get of any new homesteaders or even experienced homesteaders or people just wanting to get into homesteading
0: yeah sure um i I guess the biggest advice is is start small start slow Mm -hmm. don't you know don't think you're gonna be a homesteader overnight it's just not gonna happen you know i've learned my lesson other people (laughs) learn their lessons you just can't do it you have to figure things out get set up And, yeah, you'll read some books. You'll get information from your neighbors and everything. But then take that and and look at your situation and do what you can do and try things. You know, I do a lot of research myself because Mm -hmm. I've read a lot of books. And it's funny how a lot of books, the person writing the book, like like Animal, How to Raise Sheep Mm -hmm. or something like that, because I've done that, I know the person writing that book never raised a sheep in his life. He gathered information and wrote a book and made some money off of it. And (laughs) and a lot of it's what I call conventional raising where Mm. you're you're Uh using chemicals and grains and stuff. And, you know, they're telling you you should be feeding your sheep X amount of grains a day and this and that. Mm -hmm. Sheep are are not grain eaters, you know. I don't care what the book says. You don't have to do that, you know. Um, So, yeah, start slow. Um, Think about what your needs are. Because everybody mm, doesn't need one. the same thing. That's true. You right? know, everybody doesn't need lamb or goat or beef or this. Mm-hmm. it might be something, and their property may not allow them to even raise them animals. Right. Um, so maybe you know, maybe you want to grow produce mm-hmm. and find a neighbor of yours that has animals and, and barter right. with them, or yep. fruit, or whatever you can do on your property mm-hmm. and utilize that to barter with a person you know i barter for hay i don't have a big enough property to grow all my own hay so i barter for hay yeah i haven't i haven't um and and uncle sam's probably not gonna like me to tell everybody <laughs> this but i haven't paid cash for hay in in a quite a number of years i That's barter great. for it you know it's between be you own. and the fence posts, you your neighbor and your fence posts. yeah <laughs> yeah and you know, am That's I taking from our economy? Uh, maybe a little bit. I'm a small scale person. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't have a thousand cows. You're not I'll
1: taking be, from society in other I'm, ways. You know, you're not buying the packaged meat. You're right.
0: not. You know, that all comes at a cost. I'm yes. I'm I'm helping. I feel like I'm helping the local economy. Mm, absolutely. I'm, I'm helping the That's local environment. You mm-hmm. know, we don't have to pay a lot of tax money to fix what we messed up in the environment if we do it the right way yeah, to begin we're with. fixing
1: ourselves and we're yeah. not making any more exactly. damage so.
0: yeah so yeah
1: um what do you think where, where do you see homesteading uh, in the future like you know oh I, well, do you see a movement growing on you think it's growing
0: I, I see i see a small movement i mean i see some younger generation people wanting to do more on their own Mm -hmm. not wanting to go out and buy a big fancy house and fancy car and Mm -hmm. have all these you know amenities um and live a simpler life i I see that happening it's but it's still a small scale our our government and i shouldn't i don't know if i want to say our government but our society Mm -hmm. is making it harder and harder for people to want to do these things yeah, they don't want people to help themselves. Mm-hmm. They they want to take care of people, and people need to fight that. People Absolutely. need to say no, no, no. I don't. I don't need you. Yep. And it's as simple as just ignoring them. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. we have to pay our taxes. Yep. There's certain things we have to do, but mm-hmm. otherwise, you know, quit worrying about what they're doing. You know, in Washington D.C. Yep. just just you don't no even worry about yep. it. Just it's do your own circle. thing. Fix your own community is, is yeah, what you got to do. Exactly. Make your community work. Yep. and then you can reach a little outward and, and help the neighboring communities but uh yeah homesteading that's again it's, it's a community thing you have to work with your community work together as, as a whole
1: and i am so glad i'm part of this community yeah oh we're, <laughs>
0: we're glad to have you we're glad i i have another friend of mine that's uh, that wants to be a homesteader and mm-hmm. That advice is what I've been giving him: yeah. is to to slow down, do one thing at a time, mm-hmm. make that work, and then add something. Right, know? right. Yep. Take yep. it. Take your time. There's no hurry. You got all your life. Mm-hmm. You know.
1: And there's Joe in the background using the yeah. printer. Hello. <laughs> Joe to everybody on That's, That's coffee Joe. Uh, cup of Joe with Joe every Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> So, anything else you'd like to tell everybody? Uh, I definitely check you out on Instagram, Homesteader Dan on Instagram.
0: Yeah, check it out. I, I don't, you know, I'm not a big computer guy. I don't post mm-hmm. things constantly, but I have mm-hmm. some fun pictures on there. I like to wait till I do something different and yeah. a, a real life thing and show people, you know, simple things you can do, um, simple, you know, and have fun. You know, enjoy your life. Don't don't it worry. It is a fun lifestyle. Don't worry about every little thing. Because we, we don't have a long time on this earth to begin with, so why worry about every little Amen. thing? Amen. Amen. Yeah.
1: Well, on that, Dan, thank you very much. Yeah,
0: thank you. Thanks for being on the you podcast. Betcha. And yeah, uh, everybody anytime. check him
1: out on Instagram. And if you're in the Valley, he'll probably be in the bean soon. So
0: I'll be around. All right. Thank you, yep. everybody. Take it easy.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, that was a great interview with Homesteader Dan. Like I said, find him on Instagram, Homesteader Dan on Instagram. That was amazing. Dan has really been such a huge inspiration for me. Um, like I said a couple of times in this podcast, he was one of the first people that I was able to interact with in the valley. And he's been teaching me so far so much. I'm learning so much from him. I'm very lucky to have him and other amazing people in this valley that are helping me. Find my uh, my happiness here And you know Find a better way To live my life So thank you very much f- For Dan Coming down to the Englebean today um, The song of the day Is a John Denver special It's one of my favorites Thank God I'm a country boy um, I did not Like the name says Grow up as a country boy I grew up as a city boy He does mention that He spends a lot of time In the city these days It's I kind of stinks It sounds like So that's why I'm out here So enjoy this song Thank you again, Homesteader Dan, on and everybody else in Penns Valley. That was so nice. They named it twice. Dennis Allen, out. Enjoy the song. Thank God. Thank God I'm a boy.
0: Welcome to our little television show tonight. Uh, I don't think that it's necessary for me to introduce to you these gentlemen back here, but I'm going to anyway for me. On the fiddle, Mr. Roger Miller. On banjo, Mr. Glenn Campbell. On guitar, Mr. Johnny Cash. The $6 million band. (laughs) I love it, man. Also, we have uh, another special guest with us tonight, uh, another lady from Oklahoma that you know uh, from the Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman show. She plays Loretta Haggers, Loretta Haggers. Ladies and gentlemen, Miss Mary Kay Place.
1: John Denver, thank
0: God I'm a country boy. Brought to you by Revlon. Revlon, the people who help make the world a little more beautiful. And brought to you by Timex. Timex Marlin, attractively styled, sensibly priced watches that take a licking and keep on ticking.